Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. First of all, I want to thank all of you who became members or boosted or upgraded their membership during Max Fun Drive. You know, we set a pretty ambitious goal uh, for Fun Drive and uh, we, we didn't make it. Uh, we came close. But we failed. Um, but look, for a podcast that's somewhat about failure, that only seems appropriate. Still, thank you so much to all you out there uh, who value this show enough to kick in some dollars every month. It is what keeps us going. It's what keeps us bringing you great dead pilots like the one you're about to hear. This month's pilot is How to Be a Couple by Naomi Ekperigan and Andy Beckerman. Naomi and Andy host the great couples therapy podcast naomi has also written on great news and difficult people and broad city she has a half hour stand-up special on the stand-ups on netflix she plays carol on mythic quest andy has written on the pete holmes show and uh, cedric's barber battle and in addition to couples therapy he has produced and hosted the podcast beginnings for i don't know over 12 years i think uh this is a very autobiographical pilot about Naomi and Andy's relationship as a biracial couple with a take that is just uniquely their own. It's a rom-com, I guess, and a really smart and funny one. Naomi and Andy play the two leads. Uh, the rest of the cast, we had Chris Tallman from Reno 911, Jessica Regan from Ill Behavior, Naima Funk from Key and Peele, Matt Catanzano from The Last OG, Mort Burke, from Enlisted and Drunk History and The Mindy Project. And the great Aparna Nancherla was with us uh, from Mythic Quest, A Simple Favor, and just Aparna. Um, hey, if you want to see the people reading it and you didn't join during Fun Drive, you know, you can still, it's not too late. You can become a Max Fun member as little as $5 a month, get access to the video, all of our bonus content. Go to, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. I have COVID, guys. Uh, I'm not going to lie. If I sound a little stuffy, I'm riddled with COVID. But I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Don't worry about me. Instead, why don't you sit back and enjoy How to Be a Couple by Naomi Ekperigan and Andy Beckerman. Did your neighbor back into your car? Bring that case to Judge Judy. Think the mailman might be the real father? Give that one to Judge Mathis. But... Does your mom want you to flush her ashes down the toilet at Disney World when she passes away? Now that's my jurisdiction. Welcome to the court of Judge John Hodgman, where the people are real, the disputes are real, and the stakes are often unusual. If I got arrested for dumping your ashes in the Jungle Cruise, it would be an honor. I don't want to be part of somebody getting a super yacht. I don't know at what point you want to go into this, but we've had a worm bin before. Available free right now at MaximumFun.org. Judge John Hodgman, the court of last resort when your wife won't stop pretending to be a cat and knocking the clean laundry over. All right, I am here with Andy Beckerman and Naomi Ekperigan. Hey, Andy. Hey, Naomi. Hey, hey. what's up? What's going on? So excited for this. Can you just tell folks what we're about to hear? Sure. This is a half hour comedy that we sold to Comedy Central. And then they were like, no, thank you. And then they stopped making <laughs> all things except for The Daily Show and South Park. 
um, this is inspired by our love, naturally. Um, because what else are you to do as lovers? Okay, lovers in Los Angeles? Well, you got to write about it. Commodify <laughs> that, baby. Commodify it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not real until you write a sitcom about it. Come on. Yeah. Exactly. No, we want to write something that was kind of based on like the early days of us getting together where, Naomi, you actually have like a, a line. Do you remember it from when we were pitching it? Like you have a line about like it being... Where like you have these two things that are really important to you, like your romantic life and your creative life, and they're both as important as each other, and you're trying to like navigate both of those things. It's well, like, like we were in a thruple. We we're yes, a thruple with our careers, and also very broke. And also for me personally, I had just been interested in seeing an interracial couple comedy that wasn't about them being interracial. You know what I mean? Like. Let's see the love without it being like, oh, God, are they going to pass the loving act so that we can legally wed? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, we don't need that. And so that was why I was like very into it. And also I'm a stand up. And so I've spent years doing jokes about Andy and our relationship. And so it just felt like I was like, OK, I know there's something here because it connects with audiences. And so we yeah tried, you know, this is definitely to me, the Comedy Central version of the story. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little goofier. And by the way, this does take place in a universe where the Loving Act did not pass. Okay, <laughs> so, that's good. Yes, I think that's reality. Just, yeah, just remember that in the background <laughs> of every scene is that our love is illegal. And so much sexier for it. Yep. <laughs> oh, well, let's get into it. This is How to Be a Couple by Andy Beckerman and Naomi Ekparrigan. Act one, interior, a rent-controlled nirvana. We're close on an open refrigerator filled with bougie foods. The camera slowly pulls out. As it does, we see just how expensive and just how perfectly stainless the steel is. Oh, no, no, no. This cheese will simply not do. The Vanderbilts are arriving soon, and they absolutely adore a Rockfort. Vanderbilts on my estate? Any common street cheese will do for those wretched robber barons. Bits and pieces of an upscale kitchen come into view, as well as a black woman's hand on the edge of the fridge door. Samuel, be kind. If we get this apartment, our social calendar will be positively overflowing with the creme de la creme of society. The camera finally pulls back enough to see Natalie Ekperigan, black and very extra, and Sam Beckerman, Jewish and very neurotic, standing at an open refrigerator in the midst of a modest open house for a very chic yet affordable Harlem apartment. A few other couples, all white, mill about. Yeah, emphasis on the creme. Sam points out the overwhelming whiteness around them. <laughs> Looks like uh, Harlem went from Black Power to Ivory Tower. <laughs> Go on, boo. They laugh and kiss sweetly. When I was a kid, white folks got off the train at 96th Street. Now I got to wade through William Sonoma bags all the way up to Inwood. It has become a true Caucasian celebration. They keep walking around the apartment. Natalie is in love. Mm, rent controlled, steel so stainless I can see my reflection. This is how we level up, okay? I can see us dying here eventually. There's no way our first apartment could be this dope. Hey, you know, look, anything's possible. Hey, I found an unopened bag of Skittles in my desk this morning. The universe provides. Natalie opens a door and moans in pleasure. Sam turns to look and sees it in unit laundry. 
don't be offended, but this is the most turned on I have ever been. Huh. Good to know that freshly dried towels can be part of foreplay. It was my dream as a kid to have in-unit laundry. Fresh panties every day? Now that's a queen! Rick, a taciturn gentrifier, gets everyone's attention. Hello, hello, prospective tenants. I'm Rick. I own this beautiful, pristine building. I thought renovating this place would make me happy. Didn't. This bitch needs to gentrify a therapist's office. (laughs) If anyone would like to fill out an application, come see me. It's a little involved, but I need to know you don't have a psychological predisposition to defiling my immaculate apartment. Uh Uh-oh, we got a Catholic. Also, out of all the applicants, I will select five, and only five, for an interview. I don't have all day. Is he dying? What the fuck is happening? My family has let me down. I will not let my tenants do the same. Natalie and Sam share a what-the-fuck look. A bunch of people crowd around Rick, excitedly asking to apply for the apartment. That was fucking crazy. I have never wanted anything more. Natalie grabs Sam's hand and they jump into the scrum and we cut to the main titles. Later, we're at the 145th Street train stop. Sam and Natalie wait for the downtown A train to arrive. The timer says 23 minutes. You sure you don't want to stay at my place tonight? My mom will be asleep and we're already uptown. I know, but I I don't have my books, my face wash, my moisturizer, my other moisturizer. Third moisturizer. How do you have more lotions than me? Mm-mm. Jews are desert people. Also, your mom is... Um, hateful isn't the word, but I can't think of a better one. Natalie shrugs. He's not wrong. We cut to the A-train later. Sam and Natalie sit on the train. By their feet sits a grown man eating a bowl of soup. Can you imagine not having to pack a bag every time we want to spend the night together? Hey, do you think that's a bisque or a chowder? And we cut to the 42nd Street Uptown platform. Sam and Natalie look at the timer. E-train in 23 minutes. I gotta admit, in la- unit laundry would be cool. I haven't washed these jeans in months. Ooh, don't tell me that. I don't love you that much. And we're on the E-train later. A maniac is playing the trumpet. Sam and Natalie look angry. We would never have to see crazy E-train trumpet man again. And now we're in the Court Square G-train platform. Sam and Natalie look haggard. The timer says the G, the G train is 23 minutes away. A hipster and a Polish man are arguing. Or listen to gentrifying hipsters scream at the people they're displacing. We're trying to democratize pierogies, old man. And now we're at the Nassau stop in Greenpoint. Sam and Natalie emerge from underground looking drained. 90 minutes, our shortest commute ever. I love needs to come with some damn frequent flyer miles. Now we're in the kitchen at Sam's apartment. He cooks pasta while Natalie looks through the apartment application on her phone. List everything you've ever damaged. This is sick. This is worse than my grad school application, and they pay me a stipend. A small stipend. It barely counts as exchangeable currency, but still, I am compensated. Two video recommendations? Shit is cray-cray banay-night. I'm surprised he didn't ask for a 23 and me. He probably wants videos so he can play them and make it sound like he's not eating alone. Oh, uh, hey, Craig. At the dining room table is Craig, Sam's roommate, Manic. He's scooping protein powder into a water bottle. Oh, oh, hey, guys. You want some Gorilla Powder for your nudes? Please call them noodles. 
And no, no, thank you. Come on, your muscles are practically crying for it. I can hear them begging for that bulk. Really, it's okay. The only muscles that cry are my eyes. Okay, how's this? I won't charge you for the whole bottle, just the scoop. Wait, you were going to charge us? Yeah, man. I started selling this stuff last week, and the Gorilla Powder people are maniacs. They keep track of every molecule of this shit. Let's eat in your room. They grab their plates and move into Sam's bedroom and sit on his bed to eat. I heard a podcast about those Gorilla Powder people. They're like Waco plus Mary Kay. We got to get out of here before this bitch gets us killed in a government standoff. And it's the next day, and we're at CUNY. Sam and his graduate advisor, Professor Miriam Fogel, in her 50s and Irish, are walking around outside. Miriam eats a sandwich and stands in line with Sam at a waffles and dingus truck. So, uh, Professor Fogel, um, Miriam, uh, do you think we could do that video recommendation I emailed you about? I was excited you asked me. The idea of a video recommendation is so bloody stupid. Yeah, it is. But the the place is rent controlled. I'd give him a sex tape and my bar mitzvah video if that sealed the deal. Sam takes out his phone and starts filming. Sam's a weird one, but he has a bit of brilliance in him. I mean, not socially speaking. He's basically a wee child there, but he has a kindness and a wide-eyed naivety of a shut-in. Sam stops recording. Um, I'll just edit around some of that. He gets to the front of the line. Um, I'll take a plain waffle, heavy on the powdered sugar. Uh, Sammy, you're playing Russian roulette with the diabetes now. I hope you've got your prelims finished before you become fucking comatose. Uh, you don't got to worry about me, Perf- Miriam. Uh, I could analyze Aristotle in my sleep. Sammy, you're being daft. Take these seriously. They'll kick you out if you don't. Look, I, I appreciate your concern, but I'm on top of it. And, he- and even if something happens, getting my PhD is kind of like a plan B anyway. Uh, I'm... I mean, no offense. I wasn't offended until you said no offense. Sorry. I I, I just meant I, I make this webcomic with my friend. What's that now? Like Garfield? Kind of, but not as popular or lasagna focused. The, the point is, it's a stepping stone to eventually write for Marvel. Oh, your parents must be very proud of your two so far very unprofitable career choices. They pretty much gave up on me when I didn't become a lawyer. Now we just talk about the weather and which family members have cancer, which, by the way, is all of them. Sam, this is why you're never invited to the faculty luncheons. And we cut to PS 136 classroom. Natalie sits in a desk directly opposite Sophia, 17, deaf, a hot, mean girl. As the teacher, Mrs. Morgan, lectures about the reading, Natalie interprets for Sophia. The central theme of The Bluest Eye is power. Marcus, if I got to tell you, put that cell phone away one more time, I'll shove it up your butt. All of the novel's characters make choices based on their feelings of power and powerlessness. As Natalie interprets, Sophia avoids looking at her, trying to pretend she's not there. Instead, she makes flirty eyes at Luke, 16, who sits two seats away. The following dialogue between Natalie and Sophia is in American Sign Language. Sophia, please look at me. There's a test on this next week. I don't care. Blowing off Toni Morrison is the first step on the road to becoming 16 and pregnant. Sophia closes her eyes, making it impossible for Natalie to convey any information to her. Natalie stops signing and sighs. After a few moments... Natalie, why aren't you interpreting? I can't pull a clockwork orange on the girl. 
Before Mrs. Morgan can answer, the bell rings and Sophia is up and out the door. When Natalie catches up to her, she's filming an Insta story. She's signing, my interpreter sucks. Um, how many followers do you have? Natalie gets a text and checks her phone. Are we seeing your mom tonight? I practice a bunch of endearing anecdotes to make her dislike me less. When Natalie looks up, Sophia is halfway down the hall. Natalie starts to text Sam back when an older teacher in her 60s in white approaches in a huff. Put away that cell phone, young lady, and go straight to the principal's office. Thank you so much for calling me young, but I'm not a student. I interpret for Sophia Vargas. She's a junior. Oh, well, good for you. Black don't crack. Can I say that? I got my hair braided in Jamaica one summer and loved it. And we cut to Natalie's apartment. We're in the living room. Natalie and Sam stand in front of a beautiful African painting, dressed better than they were at work. They both pose a little stiffly, taking directions from Natalie's mother, Sandra, direct and a proponent of tough love, who's snapping pics with Natalie's phone. Smile more. They go oh. big. They go bigger. Now you look maniacal. Just relax. You got to convey warmth. They try to, but it's not happening. Ma, thank you so much for helping us get looks. But really, we just need one shot that says we're fun, but not in a way that damages crown molding. I know that. Sam, don't tilt your head down. You look like a serial killer. I mean, I know you wouldn't or couldn't kill a moth with those scrawny arms, but your face off putting. Sam tilts his head upward, but clenches his jaw so tightly it doesn't really help. Please don't insult Sam. He's not a killer, and his arms are well-built for someone who reads Plato. Thank you, honey. Ooh, speaking of arms, uh, bend yours at the elbow. You know you gotta fake some muscle tone so you don't look like your arms are turkey-necking. Okay, now you're just inventing terms to hurt me. Sandra starts to adjust her daughter like she's a marionette. Sandra, you know what? I think we got it. Thank you so much. You were invaluable times 1,000 and such colorful ways of telling us how to improve. Okay. Well, now that I've helped you, you can help me, my wonderful daughter. Will you come to my office for a moment? Of course. Do you want me to come? No. Natalie and Sam share a look as Natalie follows her mother into Sandra's office. They stand on opposite sides of an oversized mahogany desk. Ma, if you want to move this, I think we should get Sam's help. We've been moving stuff without a man for years, and I took the heavy stuff off of it. She gestures to a table lamp on the floor. Now, one, two, three. They both lift their ends of the desk. Natalie strains against the weight. Sandra seems to have no trouble. They take tiny steps across the seemingly endless room. Are you sure you want to move in with Sam? Stay bent at the knee. Y'all are still so young. I mean, not biologically, but, but the way you act and, and what you have to show for yourself. Ma, we have ambitions. It just takes time to make a living as a writer. Oh, yeah. You want to be the Black David Sedaris. Oh, I read your online bio. Uh, who even likes white David Sedaris? Millions of people. Yeah, I think he's making those stories up. How do you get into all of that nonsense and not end up murdered? And Sam's supposed to support you while you do this? With what? His philosophy money or the money he makes doodling? They make That's it to not- the far wall and put down the desk. 
That's not fair. What's not fair is Beetle Bailey trying to date my daughter. And you're still on the cell phone plan. You can't pay for unlimited data with a, a New Yorker rejection. It's not that simple, okay, Ma? You can't just- Oh, uh, uh, I made your recommendation. She pulls out her phone and we close on Sandra directly talking to camera. You would be lucky to have my daughter and her wonderful boyfriend living in that apartment. Sam is a gifted academic and my Natalie is going to be the next Zora Neale Hurston. If you ever need- Natalie closes the video, stunned. Wow, Ma? This is so nice. I'm never going to talk bad about my only child. And if y'all don't get that apartment, you can stay here as long as you want. You and me, together forever. (laughs) And I can take you shopping so you stop dressing so badly. Sandra gives her daughter a hug that's meant to be sweet. Mm. But to Natalie, it feels more like a vice grip. The words together forever echo in her ears as we end act one. I am so excited about our sponsor this month. Truly, I'm excited. It's Trade Coffee, a coffee subscription service that I have been using and loving. Okay, I've got, I have to tell you, you know, I have my place where I usually get my coffee. I'm pretty happy with it. And when Trade signed on as a sponsor, they offered me a three bag trial. I figured, okay, I'll take my three bags for free and I'll go back to buying coffee at my regular place. But that is not what has happened. I am happily paying to keep my trade coffee subscription going. And here's why. So when you sign up for trade, they give you a quiz about what you like in a coffee. And then they send you a bag of beans from a roaster that their human powered algorithm thinks you'll like. So these are independent roasters from big cities and small towns. So I filled out the quiz. I got my first bag. It was called Hell Yeah from a roaster in Lake Tahoe called Drink Coffee, Do Stuff. And it's so good. Just the tiniest bit sweet, smooth, exactly the flavor profile that I look for. And then the next bag came. It was from Clotch Coffee in Rancho Cucamonga. And I love this one too. And every coffee, and they've all been different, every coffee I've gotten has been fantastic. Because Trade Coffee's team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 400 and 50 different kinds live, ready to ship every day. And you can feel good because trade customers are are really impactful for these independent roasters. Often they're the largest source of new growth for these independent roasters, many of whom are really uh, quite good on sustainability. I, I need to add that. So trade guarantees that you will love your first order or they'll replace it for free. Look, I'm telling you, if you're a coffee drinker, you have to at least try this service because right now trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order and plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash pilots drinktrade.com slash pilots now that's more than 40 cups of coffee for free and like you know there's no risk here at all just get started you take their quiz at drinktrade.com slash pilots let trade find you a coffee you'll love I think they'll do. That's drinktrade.com slash pilots for $30 off. Look, if you've never uh, bought something or ordered something from one of our sponsors, I think this is the time to try. It helps us. It's going to help you. Go to drinktrade.com slash pilots for $30 off. 
Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself, a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag. That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about this... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on MaximumFun.org. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Your podcasts. Act two, we're in Sam's office the next day. Sam and his friend and writing partner, Gene, are in Sam's office in the philosophy department. Gene is drawing their webcomic on a Wacom tablet hooked to a laptop. What if they open the door and behind it is like a real jacked version of Garfield? Like, you know, with packs and a six pack, the little guttery things. That's, uh, yep, idiotic. I love it. Or what if. Hey, buddy, uh, I'm not just saying some weird rip Garfield is funny just to get this over with, but Molly and I have hypnobirthing class in like 45 minutes. Oh, can you just listen to some birthing podcast instead? Like, I'm sure Lena Dunham has one. Yeah, I'm not bailing on my pregnant wife to keep kicking around dumb ideas for a comic that no one pays us to do. Come on, dude. We got to hustle now so that eventually we'll get paid, you know, someday in the future. Yeah, I actually wanted to talk to you about that. Um, hey, this dude from my birthing class, he's he works for Hustler. Ew. As a web developer, chill. And he told me he wants to start doing old school Playboy type comics on their site once a week, 300 bucks a pop. Uh, yeah, hard pass on writing taint gags for a bunch of pervs. Maybe give it more than two seconds of thought, man. Look, it's a gig, okay? And I got to start making diaper money stat. Uh, how about zero seconds? I want to write the X-Men one day. You don't get to write for Marvel after making Captain Dildo strips for a decade. Yeah, well, you don't get to write X-Men if you're constantly cleaning poop off the floor because your kid doesn't have diapers. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, I hear you. But, like, this comic's my baby. Right, yeah. And my baby's my baby. Yeah, okay, I get it. But trading future success for a quick buck now? I just don't want to end up some middle-aged never-was, sitting in his studio apartment eating lean cuisines every night and wondering what could have been. I, You know, no offense. Yeah, I wasn't offended until you said no offense. The end. A student opens the door. Uh, Professor Beckerman, is it still your office hours? I still don't get this Heidegger stuff. You spend most of the class ranting about how he was a Nazi that banged his students? What? It's true. And we cut to the laundromat. Sam is stuffing way too many clothes into the washing machine when Natalie FaceTimes him from her computer. She's sitting on her bed in pajamas. The application is sent. And now, like most of life, our fate is at the whims of a lunatic. He squints at the phone. Uh, hey, hon, uh, any... Reason you're in your pajamas at 7 p.m.? You mean other than sleep being my one joy in life? I got a rejection from Bus Magazine. Oh, hon, I'm sorry. Uh, do you want me to burn down their offices? You're sweet. Sam counts quarters and begins jamming all of his clothes into the washer. Look, just remember, rejection is the price of admission for making art. Just repeated, soul-crushing rejection until one person, usually wealthy and eccentric, decides we remind them of an old lover and gives us our big break. Very reassuring. Hey, can you come over tomorrow night? 
Maybe make me a brownie sundae or just lovingly watch me eat one. Uh, I have to see Gene tomorrow so we can finish that comic he had to bail on. Well, what, what if you came to my place after? I can't mess with Greenpoint tomorrow. Sophia has an assembly Thursday at 7.30 a.m. A sober clown is talking about addiction. It sounds unhinged and I cannot miss it. So two nights from now? Maybe. I might have to help my mom take a rotting bed frame to the dump. Christ! So not until the weekend? Just then, Sandra enters Natalie's room holding an assortment of wigs. I think Bust would probably reconsider you if you had big hair. So I I got you some wigs so you can change up your look. Let's try them on right now. Come on. Sam, I gotta go. Ayanla over here wants to fix my life. Mm. Love you. She kisses the camera and hangs up. We go to Sandra's office moments later where Sandra places a curly-haired wig on Natalie's head. Okay, try this one. You'll look young and fun. I'm already young and... I'm young, okay? She fluffs the wig and holds up a mirror. Yeah. Natalie looks nuts. Oh, this is cute. Ma, I look like I got electrocuted. Oh, stop. You know, you're lucky to have me to take care of you. I don't need you to take care of me. I'm 30. You're off the clock now. Oh, really? You don't need me? Well, that works out because I just put up an Airbnb posting for the back bedroom. Mom, people book Airbnbs for orgies. I don't want fluids on our floors. They ain't your floors. And I need some extra money, which you don't have. Now, put on this Ariana Grande ponytail and hush. (laughs) Off Natalie's worried look, we cut to Sam's apartment in the doorway. As Sam enters with a basket of clean laundry, a jacked, steel-eyed bruiser walks out. He tosses an empty canister of gorilla powder back into the apartment. Inside, Craig sits on the ground, covered in powder. There are 20 or 30 unopened canisters piled up behind him. What the fuck was that? That's just a pep talk, man. Hey, you can't spell motivation without motive. (laughs) Wait, what? Did he threaten you? Uh, Me, you, a lot of people got threatened. Me? I'm not part of your fucking Michigas. (laughs) Actually, I kind of told him you, you had bought 30 canisters but hadn't paid yet. In my defense, though, I wanted to shift the blame onto someone else. What's wrong with you? Calm down, dude. I'll get the money. Or I won't. Life is exciting that way. Sam anxiously massages his temples. We go to Natalie's bedroom the next night. Natalie and Sam are lying on the bed, legs entwined, eating brownies. Natalie nuzzles his neck. Man, I needed this. And I needed your herbal essences smell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. White grapefruit and mosa mint. Like me, it's floral yet mask. Natalie kisses his ear. What What do you think Landlord Rick's deal is? Oh, so we're not uh, enjoying intimacy? I cannot get horny with my mother down the hall. Yeah, I can. It's a terrible curse. I'm constantly praying for my libido to die. Wait, hold on. Why are you asking me about Rick during smooch time? Because I checked my email when I was in the bathroom. Don't judge my journey. And we got an interview. Oh, thank God. You're on the verge of needing a full-time therapist, and I'm on the verge of needing a full-time bodyguard. So, what kind of lie should we craft to Dazzle Rick? Huh? No, no, no. We should just be ourselves. We're great. He'll see that. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. That is the caucasity of hope. If you've got an 800 credit score, you can wear sweatpants to weddings and walk your dog in a stroller. But we gotta convey stability. Mm, okay, okay. I'll try, I'll try. Um, so, wanna get back to smooching? If you can get me in the mood. List all the settings on that in-unit washing machine. Mm, cotton, heavy setting. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and we go to Rick's office the next day. Sam and Natalie wear business casual and sit across from Rick in his small office. He holds their application in his hand. Hmm. You guys don't seem like maniacs. Natalie and Sam share a look. But you have the credit scores of maniacs. Rick holds up Sam's credit report. I know from experience, this credit score shoves chicken bones in the garbage disposal. Uh, well, I- I'm an adjunct professor. We're paid less than dock workers. What he means is it doesn't pay well, but it is steady work. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and think about it. I'd be your own personal Plato living right here, ready to shatter your delusions with intellectual insight and philosophical razzle dazzle. Rick <laughs> smiles. Actually, my therapist just fired me, so I could use someone to tell me what to do. He looks back to their application. But uh, you, you're freelance? Freelance, yes, but (laughs) I work with the deaf and hard of hearing children left behind by our city's school system. Mm, Deaf tenants are really loud. Hey, look, maybe our finances are less than ideal, but we make up for it by being A plus tenants. No loud parties. Mm -hmm. Hey, no parties at all. We don't like most people. And we are quiet as fuck. Sorry I cursed, but I'm that serious. Sometimes you might even think we're dead, but we won't be. You're going to know we're alive because you're going to get that rent check on time every time. We'll be so punctual, it'll make you puke. Rick, giving us this apartment would be a great way to give back to the community. Girl, I am Harlem born and Harlem raised. And I'm just trying to find an apartment with Majubu. Two historically oppressed people just trying to make love work. Okay. It's clear that they're losing him. Sam winks at Natalie. I've got this. And just remember, Rick, every day I'll be S-ing your D. <gasps> Excuse me? No, 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 S, you're, no, no, shattering your delusions. Rem- remember the Plato stuff? Rick is confused. Natalie is horrified. And we smash cut to the subway a little later. They sit in silence on the A train. After a beat. Right. So... Admittedly, there were definitely a couple of snubs and flubs in there, but, but despite the missteps, you know what? I think we're actually pretty charming. I'd say it's a real toss up. Natalie looks at him with all the side eyes she can muster. You lucky. I love you or else. All we hear is the screeching of the train as we see them from outside the car. Sam winces as Natalie vividly explains exactly how she would murder him. And we end act two. Act three, we're in Sam's apartment in the bedroom. It's the next day. He's finishing getting dressed when Natalie enters, still in her pajamas. Can you get Craig out of the bathroom? He's been in there for 20 minutes yelling at himself in the mirror. Motivational screaming or psychotic break screaming? Why does it matter? Sam's phone pings. He opens an app and reads, Huh. Apparently, quote, after reviewing several applications, we are not a good fit for the community at 205 Lenox Ave. Yep. That checks out. Are you kidding me? I'll good fit that glum bitch into a suitcase and throw him in the fucking Hudson. They enter the living room and grab their things to find Craig pacing and panicked, surrounded by canisters of gorilla powder. Have have either of you ever faked your own death? Sam and Natalie stare at him for a beat and then exit. Look, hon, don't stress. We'll find another place. Another place? It took us six months to find one single apartment that fit our criteria. Yeah, well... Maybe your criteria are too stringent. Maybe your criteria should have included not offering to S the landlord's D. That was a joke. Look, look, it sucks. All right, I get it. But 
we, we don't need a washer or dryer. And honestly, is any steel truly stainless? That's not a lie I'm willing to live. But we could have had it if you didn't have the credit score of a hobo. Yeah, well, it's easy to have good credit when you live with your mother. Well, that was low, and they both know it. I, I just mean, I'm willing to suffer if it means I get to make the things I want to make. I'm sorry, but squalor isn't romantic to me. Yes, I'm sick of my mom gray gardening me, and I'm sick of Gorilla Man up there ready to burn down your apartment for the insurance money, but I don't want us to live like broke-ass college students. Me neither. But I don't want to sell out for some fancy fridge. You know, look, we might just have to sacrifice our comfort for our art. No, you're sacrificing my comfort for your art. This hits Sam hard. He doesn't know what to say. I'm going to be late. She storms off. We're in PS 136, the geometry classroom. Natalie sits opposite Sophia as small groups of kids work together on problem sets. They make up a group of two, and it's clear that they're both at a loss. They sign to each other. Sophia gestures to a worksheet. This look right? I can't tell you. Also, I don't know. <laughs> Sophia starts writing in her notebook and rips out the page. She folds it up into a tiny square and hands it to Natalie. Can you give this to Damien? I appreciate the throwback vibe of a note, but I'm not helping you get a boyfriend. Okay, then pass it to Julie and tell her to pass it to him. Okay. She takes the note and throws it in the trash. The fuck? <sighs> Look, so you get a boyfriend. Then what? You move in together? What if all you can afford is a cracked in? And you love the dude, so you're not going to leave. But is this the life you envisioned for yourself when you were 23 and had dreams? Hell no. So you got to compromise. But should you? Okay, you don't know because you have no experience with this. Do you see the cycle? Do you see the cycle? By destroying this note, I saved you from a lifetime of insanity. You welcome. After a long beat. I'm not your therapist. And we cut to Sam's office later. He sits at his desk just staring when Miriam walks by. Uh, Professor uh, Miriam, uh, hey, I'm not too selfish and self-righteous, am I? Miriam bursts out laughing and walks away. Sam takes out his phone and sends a text to Jean. Hey, does that hustler dude still want comics? And we go to Castle's Diner. Natalie enters a sparsely populated old school Brooklyn diner. Natalie approaches a tall teen server at the bakery counter. Hey, I have a question about your apple pies. What's the ratio of crust to filling? Uh, okay, like, is the filling that syrupy canned fruit stuff or is it fresh? Uh, I think it's fresh. Okay, not a strong endorsement, but I'm desperate. Now, is that oat topping on the crumble? Or just some thick piece of flour slapped on there? It's oat. Great. Okay. Can I have a slice of the apple crumble to go, but also a la mode? Now, do you have a means of packaging the ice cream that might give it a fighting chance? I think so. Great. I'll need you to make it a double scoop, what I like to call a sicko a la mode. All right? Really fill that cup to the brim, baby. Natalie moves out of an old woman's way and notices Sam sitting in the back at a table alone shoving mozzarella sticks in his mouth, looking pitiful. She heads over to him. You know, you should chew them first. I'm smothering my sadness. She puts a hand on his shoulder and sits. I'm sorry I got mad at you for being yourself. I just wanted that apartment so bad. Me too. I wanted you, I wanted us to have it. 
I should have listened to you and just been normal. And I shouldn't have been so extra. Look, I, I do want us to have nice things, but I also want us to realize our dreams. Sometimes it just feels like we can't have both. I know. But I don't want to spend my whole life waiting for a break that might never come. Look, the only thing I'm not conflicted about is you, okay? You know, this world is a fucking nightmare. But we found each other, right? Hey, look, a rat-infested tenement with you is better than a penthouse alone. Oh, baby. That was poetic as hell. And they kiss across the table. Um, so... I was thinking about that whole sacrifice thing, and um, I took this dumb cartoon gig. It, it won't buy our way into high society, but it'll buy our way into whatever society is like, a, you know, yay high off the ground. And he holds his hand waist high. You think it'll buy us enough to change Rick's mind? When we cut to the street the next day, Natalie and Sam excitedly approach Rick just as he's leaving his office. Hey, Rick, do you remember us? You rejected our application and rocked us to our very core. Did you file a complaint with the city? Are you here to attack me? No, what? No, girl, we're here to ask you to reconsider us. Yeah, we're more financially stable and really not that weird. I, I mean, at least she isn't. We were trying to make you think we were this perfect couple with our shit together, but really we just regular and our shit is spread out across multiple rooms. So you're not here to trash my building? Oh, well, that unit's already rented. The son of a Russian oligarch showed up with a bag of cash. Damn, Rick, you know how to break us is. I'm glad I didn't meet you back in my dating days. Sam and Rick both look at her. What? Huh. <laughs> Something about your desperation really resonates with me, though. Follow me. And moments later, Natalie and Sam walk around an empty apartment. It's nowhere near as shiny and new as the first apartment, but it's got promise. It's not as impressive as the other unit, but I was going to put on a fresh coat of paint and professionally deodorize it because the previous tenant thought it was okay to light peppermint Yankee candles in every room. You don't like candles, do you? No, I'm not a Bronte sister. There's no washer dryer, but there are hookups. A dream deferred. Hey, hey, still, it's the second best place we've seen. Hey, and your mom doesn't live here and Craig will never know the address. The beat as their excitement grows, and then... That corner could be a writing nook? See? We could really make this place work. Yeah. I could definitely see us dying here. Eventually. And they smile and kiss. And we fade out as they shake Rick's hand. <laughs> End of episode. Okay, I do hope you enjoyed that, and you must come back next week to hear my interview with Naomi and Andy. So much fun. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-host Ben Blacker and our associate producer Noah Finling, and it is masterfully edited by Jordan Katz. Hey, if you like this show, I mean, the main thing, tell someone. Tell a friend about us. Spread the word. And then maybe leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that really helps or where, you know, other wherever you might be listening to this. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We're not hard to find. Uh, until next time, I'm Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.